Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Luke. Hello, guys, and happy Thursday. This is Jen, your host. And thanks so much for tuning into the episode today. We're going to actually be talking about Jesus's death on the cross. So this is a heavy episode. So let's go ahead and jump right in. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 23, verses 44 through 56 today. Grab that cup of coffee or that cup of tea, whatever you prefer. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. as usual. It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what was done, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. All the multitudes that came together to see this, when they saw the things that were done, returned home beating their breasts. All his acquaintances and the women who followed with him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Behold, a man named Joseph, who was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their counsel indeed, from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who was also waiting for God's kingdom, this man went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He took it down and wrapped it in a linen cloth and laid him in a tomb that was cut in stone, where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was drawing near. The women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. They returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. So Jesus is now currently hanging on the cross. If you didn't listen to the previous episodes regarding all that, you might want to go back and listen to those. That one was on Tuesday, where we talked about Jesus being hung on the cross and the criminals on either side of him and everything that happened with that. I also discussed the question, where did Jesus go after he died? And I gave my personal opinion on that. So you might be interested in checking that out if you haven't yet. So in verse 44, it says that it was the sixth hour. In other words, it was noon and darkness came over the whole land. Now, that's definitely not something we see every day, right? Because when it's noon, that's when the sun is the brightest. Typically at noon, we think of the sun high in the sky. But no, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, this darkness came over the entire land. And I talked about this before. There was actually a historian who I forgot the name of. And this historian lived around the time of Jesus, maybe like a hundred years after Jesus died. But he researched all this and said that there was a miraculous eclipse that happened. Now, what's so miraculous about an eclipse, this particular eclipse was that Passover was always held during the full moon. So it's literally impossible for an eclipse of the sun to happen when there's a full moon in the sky. (laughs) So this was a miraculous eclipse where this darkness just, you know, permeates the the, uh, brightest part of the day. And obviously this was God's power that was uh, doing this. And not only did this uh, darkness happen, but it says that the veil of the temple was torn in two. So I don't know if you guys remember me talking about the veil of the temple back in Exodus when we first talked about this, but this veil was thick. I'm talking like thick, 
material that no human could ever tear through. That is how thick this uh, temple curtain was. And the temple curtain was symbolic of separating God from man. God was supposed to live inside of the most holy place, which was beyond the curtain in the temple. And then the priests were allowed inside of the holy place to do their daily activities and to take care of it and everything like that. But they were never allowed inside of the most holy place. The only person besides God that was allowed inside the most holy place was the high priest. And he was only allowed in there one time throughout the year, which was on the day of atonement. He was allowed to go into the most holy place and interact with uh, God's presence there because God's presence was actually supposed to sit inside of the most holy place. So this veil of the temple in Jerusalem, this main temple, it was torn in two. We also find out from other accounts that there was a great earthquake that happened during all of this as well. So during all that, there's a there's darkness and an earthquake and the veil of the temple was torn in two. You can imagine that people were like, oh my goodness, what is going on during all this? We're having like serious uh, events happening. There's an earthquake and there's like complete and total darkness. I can imagine the entire city was super scared, especially after this uh, veil of the temple was torn in two. They probably thought there was some sort of omen happening, maybe. But maybe not because these priests don't seem to care at all. They're still just so focused on making sure that Jesus's body after this is not, you know, stolen by the disciples. We'll find out. But uh, yeah, God from heaven ripped that veil in two. And he did that because he was showing that there is no separation now between God and man. Through Jesus's sacrifice here on the cross, that separation has been gone because Jesus now intercedes for us. He mediates for us. And so we can come directly to Yahweh God now through Jesus. That's why uh, it says in scripture to always pray in Jesus's name, because even though, yes, we can talk directly to our father, Yahweh, Jesus is the one that mediates for us as our high priest. So we still say in Jesus's name at the end of our prayers, to show that we uh, recognize Jesus as our high priest, our perfect sacrifice who helps us come near to God. So that's the point of saying Jesus's name at the end of the prayers. After this veil is torn in two, it says Jesus cries out with a loud voice. And this would have been around 3 p.m. that all this was taking place. So Jesus cries with a loud voice. What's interesting about this, and, and I read this on Enduring Word, and I didn't think about this before. Jesus was up on a cross. You can imagine somebody that's up on a cross, suffocating to death, would not be able to scream out. But yet Jesus did. And this just shows how much Jesus was still in control of his own spirit. Because right after that, he cries out with a loud voice. He says, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. In other words, He's done with everything. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, we know from different accounts of Jesus's death that he also says it is finished. And he also asks God, God, why did you forsake me? And which is um, a psalm that Jesus was quoting. So this makes me believe that there was something really serious going on during the cross. I kind of think that something really crazy was going on during the cross, something more than we can even imagine. 
because Jesus was actually experiencing God's wrath on the cross, God's complete and total judgment of the entire world was placed onto Jesus on that cross. I don't know. I can't even imagine how that would possibly feel. But Jesus was definitely going through something very serious, more so than just the suffering he was enduring. There was something very spiritual going on as well, where Jesus was spiritually also paying for our sacrifice on that cross. So right after all of this, he breathed his last. In other words, he was completely in control of his body to the point where once everything is finished and he took that sacrifice, he took that punishment from God for us, he breathed his last. So now there's a centurion, which is a Roman soldier over a hundred men who saw everything that was being done And after this happens, he glorifies God, saying, certainly this was a righteous man. You know, this centurion might have been one of the Roman soldiers earlier on that was mocking Jesus. Kind of seems like there was a lot of people mocking Jesus that sort of uh, changed their tune because the thief on the cross we know did, after several hours had passed, that thief on the cross went from mocking Jesus to believing in him. Possibly this centurion did as well, because we did read earlier that the Roman soldiers were actually making fun of Jesus. And now it also says that the multitudes that came together to see this when they saw the things that were done were turned home beating their breasts. So there's a lot of people now changing their tune. Whatever Jesus was experiencing on this cross was certainly something that made all these people rethink this entire thing. They went from mocking him, like these multitudes were, a lot of them were mocking him, and they uh, left beating their breasts, which means they were extremely sad when they left. Something was going on for sure. I think something even more than you and I could ever possibly understand. Jesus was certainly experiencing something absolutely terrible on the cross, but yet was having so much compassion, loving people on the cross, praying for the people that were mocking him. I mean, not to mention all these crazy things that are going on at the same time with the darkness and the earthquake and the veil being torn in two, which is impossible for humans to do that. And I should mention that it says that it was torn. That means that somebody like tore it. Not that a sword went through it, because if a sword went through it, it would be probably a much cleaner slice. This was torn in two. So God up in heaven literally bent down and tore this veil. So now this man named Joseph comes into the picture and he was a council member. This means that he was a part of the Sanhedrin and the elders, which means he was very likely at Jesus's trials, at least one of them, maybe two of them, who knows. But he was a member of the council. But it says in verse 51 that he was a good and righteous man who had not consented to their counsel and deed. I always kind of painted the picture that Joseph of Arimathea was kind of a coward who was very afraid to stand up for Jesus. But it does say here in Luke that he had not consented to their counsel and deed. So maybe he did stand up. I'll be honest, I never caught that verse before. 
So maybe he did speak up and say something and just the uh, elders and other Sanhedrin and Pharisees were just totally against everything he had to say. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he did speak up. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he had not consented to everything that was going on during all those trials, but just didn't speak up about it and kept that all internally and just didn't say anything. That's possible also, where he didn't want to like rock the boat too much. (laughs) But uh, I don't know. Either way, Joseph of Arimathea says that he was a good and righteous man who did not consent to the Pharisees' counsel and deed. So he was not happy with what was going on regarding Jesus. He was not happy about it at all. And it says that he was actually waiting for God's kingdom, which means that he probably thought that Jesus was the Messiah. I'm going to guess based upon that verse. So anyway, Joseph of Arimathea goes to go see Pilate and wants to have Jesus's body. So Pilate agrees. He's like, all right, take Jesus's body. And we find out also that Pilate was actually super shocked that Jesus was dead already because he had to actually call one of his soldiers to double check about it because Pilate was like, is he really already dead? Like we just crucified him this morning. And that was the thing about crucifixion was that it was a long and very slow, torturous process. But anyway, he consents to letting Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus's body down and dress it in the linens and prepare it for a burial. Now, because it was preparation day, which means that it was the day before Sabbath, this means that everybody had to get all their work done on the day before Sabbath, the preparation day, so that they could take a break and relax on the Sabbath day. That was uh, what God had told everybody to do way, way back in the law. Now, of course, the Pharisees made it all ridiculous and everything, but that's beside the point right now. But because it was preparation day and no one was allowed to do anything on the Sabbath day, they had to take Jesus's body down very quickly and dress it. This means that Uh, He didn't have any of the oils prepared on his body. So the women who were watching what was going on with Jesus and how he died on the cross, they followed Joseph of Arimathea to see where Jesus's body was going to be laid. They found out and they went home quickly to go prepare the spices and the oils to anoint Jesus's body with for the burial. So, yeah, it says in verse 56, they returned and prepared the spices and ointments. And on Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. So they weren't allowed to go back to the tomb because they had to rest. They weren't allowed to go over to the tomb and prepare Jesus's body. This brings me back to a story about the woman who actually anointed Jesus with the beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume about a week prior to this, where Jesus stuck up for that woman and was like, she's preparing my body now because no one is going to have time to prepare it after I die. So it was kind of uh, Jesus giving a foreshadowing to this specific moment where these women did not have time to prepare Jesus's body. So it's really interesting, just tiny little things like that, where Jesus just knew knew every single detail about his death and everything that was going to happen. But regardless, this was something horrible for Jesus to go through, not just the excruciating death and torture that he endured for us, 
but the fact that he was accused as an innocent man. I mean, when somebody, when I am accused of doing something that I did not do, I am infuriated. (laughs) I am infuriated. I mean, and Jesus had to go through that. But not only that, he also had to go through God's wrath that was meant for you and me and for the entire world. So whatever Jesus was experiencing on the cross, you and I could never even fathom. You, we, Even if we died the same torturous death that Jesus did, it would not be the same because we wouldn't be going through the same spiritual struggle that Jesus was going through. You and I, we are Christians. We have God. We have the Holy Spirit. So even if we were suffering in the way that Jesus did, we aren't experiencing God's wrath like that. We can actively pray to God during that. But Jesus was definitely going through something very spiritual, very, very tough. And he had to endure it completely alone. Faithful listeners, I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning for an episode out of Deuteronomy. Hope you tune in. It's going to be a really great episode about... Once again, the people falling away from God. (laughs) Seems like a theme going on in Deuteronomy right now, but it'll be a great episode. Hope to see you guys bright and early for that one, 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up. Faithful listeners, have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless. Bless.